It's Philosophy Talk. Your report describes how rational these people are. Millennia ago, they abandoned their belief in the supernatural. Now you are asking me to sabotage that achievement, to send them back into the dark ages of superstition and ignorance and fear? No! People believe in strange things. Astrology, religion, numerology, alien abductions. Why are human beings such suckers for magical thinking? Belief is the natural state of things. It is the default option. We just believe. We believe all sorts of things. Wouldn't it be nice if wanting something to be so would make it so? It's more difficult. It's uncomfortable to not believe things. Our guest is Michael Shermer, founding publisher of Skeptic Magazine. Magical thinking, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford University, where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. So I got a puzzle for you, John, a riddle. How do you simultaneously cut taxes, increase spending, and balance the budget like Reagan promised to do? Hmm. Oh, oh, I know. I would use magical thinking. That's how. Exactly. You got it right. Magical thinking. That's our topic for today. Now, magical thinking involves pretty firmly held beliefs based on scant or even non-existent evidence. You mean like uh, believing that doing a certain dance will cause it to rain or maybe wearing a baseball cap backwards, uh, inside out, will cause a rally? Uh are you telling me that wearing a baseball cap inside out and backward doesn't help? No, it doesn't, John. <laughs> Damn. Well, yes, then both of those would qualify. But it isn't just about outmoded superstitions. Magical thinking is everywhere. Oh, come on, John. Be serious. We live in the age of science. Science is the very antithesis of magical thinking. True, but science hasn't stopped the spread of magical thinking. Magical thinking infects politics, religion, the media, even the economy. In facts, come on, you're exaggerating. You're just a tad, come on, admit it. No, it's not a fad. It's an epidemic. Just as opiate drugs are ravaging our families, so magical thinking is ravaging our minds. Come on, ravaging our minds how? Come on. Well, because magical thinking makes us ripe for the picking by scam artists and demagogues. Witness our fascination with Trump's wall or countless fad diets or the latest bargain basement gizmo from Ronco that will slice and dice carrots and cure cancer at the same time for three low payments of 1999. Oh, John, but, but come on. This is really the age of science. We've achieved more in science than in any point in human history. How could there possibly be an epidemic of magical thinking in a scientific age? That's at least a puzzle. Well, I don't know if it's very puzzling. Science is hard, and magical thinking is pretty easy. It, and in fact, it's kind of what the human mind was built for. Oh, come on. You're, you're suggesting. You're really suggesting that evolution actually designed our minds for magical thinking? Well, think of life back on the savannah, where our species first evolved. Potential predators everywhere. Food not exactly plentiful. Well, okay, but how would magical thinking have helped us out in those circumstances? Well... Our forebears didn't have time for science or careful investigation. They had to act. You hear something rustling in the grass. 
Quick, decide rabbit or lion. Well, the main thing is to be right, to know the truth. If it's a lion and you conclude falsely that it's a rabbit, you could be in for a world of hurt, John. Well, no, the main thing isn't to get it right. It's not to get it wrong in a certain way. If it's a rabbit and you jump to the conclusion that it's a lion, yeah, that's no big deal. No, well, you don't get to eat the rabbit. Yeah, but at least you're alive. What's your point? It may be bad to believe falsely that it's a lion when it's really a rabbit. It'll cost you a meal. But it's much worse to believe it's a rabbit when it's really a lion. That'll cost you your life. Wait a minute. If I follow you, you seem to be suggesting that no matter the facts, for safety's sake, you should never believe it's a rabbit and you should always believe it's a lion. Yes, paranoia is a great guide to life. (laughs) Pretty much assume it's a lion until you're proven otherwise. Truth be damned. Oh, come on. Truth be damned, you'll starve to death. Well, no. There's going to be some rabbits that can't be mistaken for lions. You get to believe it's a rabbit when you get a clear look at it up close and personal. Sure, you'll have a lot of false beliefs. Sure, you'll miss a few meals. But you're very unlikely to become a meal yourself. Okay, I kind of get that point, but I don't see what's got to do with magical thinking. It's the very essence of magical thinking. Magical thinking isn't about finding the truth. It's about forming useful beliefs that will keep you out of trouble even on the basis of scanty evidence. Science is the opposite. Take all the time you need, slow down, consider all reasonable hypotheses and ferret out as much evidence as possible before reaching a conclusion if you're not eaten first. Well, so, okay, I kind of get your point that the slow and laborious process of science wouldn't have been much use on our ancestors to our ancestors in the savannah, right? That's what you're saying. Not at all. They faced the pressure of the moment. They needed quick and dirty ways of finding out what to believe and what to do. Thus, our propensity for magical thinking was born. Well, look, magical thinking may have been of limited use to those folks on the savannah, but we don't live in the savannah anymore. And you said it yourself. We're surrounded by demagogues and hucksters. Uh, magical thinking in the, that environment can lead to a disaster. Well, sure it can. But you got to admit, it's still with us. Look no further than the media and our ongoing political debates. Well, no doubt about that. You're right about that. Our country's leaders have engaged in a lot of magical thinking of their own over the years. So we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to review some of the more magical moments in our recent politics. She files this report. My fellow citizens, at this hour, American and coalition forces are in the early stages of military operations to disarm Iraq, to free its people, and to defend the world from grave danger. President George W. Bush announced the U.S. invasion of Iraq on March 19, 2003. Top White House officials promised it wouldn't cost the U.S. much. Here's former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld. Office of Management and Budget estimated it would be something under $50 billion. Outside estimates say up to $300 billion. Baloney. The war in Iraq actually cost the U.S. about $2 trillion. Then there's also magical thinking about how Iraq would fare after the war. Here's former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer. Iraq has tremendous resources that belong to the Iraqi people. And so there are a variety of means that Iraq has to be able to shoulder much of the burden for their own reconstruction. And here's Senator John McCain. Post-Saddam Hussein Iraq is going to be paid for by the Iraqis. They have billions of dollars of income. They have vast oil reserves, and uh, I, I think they will pay for it. 
the Iraqi people were not able to rebuild their country with their, quote, vast oil reserves. Today, China reaps the most benefits from Iraqi oil. Russia, the UK, Dubai, and Egypt also have a piece of the Iraqi oil pie. A new regime would serve as a dramatic and inspiring example of freedom for other nations in the region. Over the past decade, more than 120,000 Iraqi civilians have been killed, and the war continues. Back in 2003, when the Iraq War began, then-Senator Barack Obama had his eyes on health care. He taught constitutional law in Chicago and magically believed he'd bring single-payer health care to the White House one day. A single-payer health care plan, universal health care plan. That's what I'd like to see. First, we've got to take back the White House, and we've got to take back the Senate. When President Obama entered the White House in 2008, universal health care was off the table. And what came after, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, aka Obamacare, is not much closer to single payer. And then there was Obama's promise to close the Guantanamo Bay detention camp. Guantanamo, that's easy. Close down Guantanamo, restore habeas corpus. He did sign an executive order in 2009 to close Guantanamo. I have said repeatedly that I intend to close Guantanamo and I will follow through on that. Guantanamo will be closed uh, no later than one year from now. As of 2016, the prison at Guantanamo is still open and magical thinking still pervades U.S. politics. The brightest and most logical minds running our nation sometimes say irrational and unfounded things, especially when handed a mic, a national audience, and a chance to win some votes. We're going to build a wall. Nobody said that before. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kauntari. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.